Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to His Word being preached. Father, I want to thank you that you are so good, like we said. What a good Father that adopts us. Not because you must have us, but you came for us, Lord, and paid a a price for us. We are adopted. We are loved. We are cherished. We are brought near. We now have a home, a spiritual home, an invisible one, also a visible one for those that cause this their church, but we've, we've got a spiritual home, and there's a father, and it's safe, and there's unlimited food for what the spirit really needs. You are so good to us. Father, show us this morning your will, Holy Spirit. Every person belongs to you. Um, members do not belong to Shofar. Believers belongs to God. Speak to your people, Lord. May we as leaders, as pastors and small group leaders and even volunteers, may we increase in the skill of becoming invisible so that only Christ may be seen among us. In the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to talk this morning on um, powerful ministry. Take these four things with you. Now, when I say powerful ministry, I know it it can have weird connotations. Um, What I mean by that, maybe you just change the theme for yourself, okay, is authentic, real ministry. We want your life to make a difference. That's all what I mean, okay? When people come into your home, when family visits you and you've been praying for them, um, your heart and my heart is that they will be changed when they encounter you because God lives in you. Amen? That's all I mean by powerful ministry. Um, And uh, I want to read... Just an account out of the Gospel of Mark, and then I want to take it from there. Because I believe there's four things that Jesus teaches um, that will really, really impact us deeply if we open our hearts. So I want to ask you to open your heart this morning. Amen? All right, let's go for it. I'm in Mark chapter 11. I'm going to start in verse 14. It says, and when they came to the disciples, what happened just before that is Jesus was on the mountain and he was transfigured and Moses and Elijah was also there and there was a, it was shared with three disciples and that happened just before we get into this text. So when it says, when they came to the disciples, they're speaking about Jesus and the two that came down with him. That's where we are. Right, let's read together. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And, asked, and he asked them, what are you arguing about? And someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought my son to you for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. 
So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him, and when the spirit saw him, the spirit in the boy, the evil spirit, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about foaming at the mouth. The enemy does not like it when Jesus steps into our space, into our life. Okay, He does not like it when you step into a place where you start to open your mouth. And this is just an extreme indication in the spirit of what happens when you yield your life to God or when Jesus steps in or when you encounter your family that comes to your home, those people at work, there's a war. Amen? Sometimes it's visible, sometimes it's not, but it's real. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it has often cast him into the fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. It's just a lot of theology here. I'm just going to go on for now. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out, convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse. So most of them said, He's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciple asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? All right, that's where we are today. Why did it not happen? Why were we not successful? We are your followers. We are your disciples. We love you. We've been walking around with you. We've seen amazing things. Why were we not successful? It's a heart. We wanted to help that boy. And what we're going to discover in the rest of this chapter is four things that Jesus speaks to his disciples, who speaks into their lives when it comes to growth. Now, what I've learned is that the gospel writers is very intentional. These are not just accounts thrown together left, right, and center. And so if you go, a lot of the points we will, we will take now is actually just after... They ask this question right here, and then they walk from there. There's a conversation. So a lot of these things that Jesus are teaching these, these disciples is a reflection back to this demon-possessed boy and the story. And so if the disciples would open their heart, there's probably in the rest of Mark chapter 9 some reasons why that demon did not leave the boy. And we're going to discover four. So if you've got your notebook here, you can write down four things to take with you on your journey as a disciple. Four things for a powerful ministry. Are you with me? Okay, let's do this.
We're going to head into this. And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Now, probably these guys have been around. They've seen Jesus do amazing things. All right? Before this, a man came through a roof. Okay? Jesus spoke to him, stood up, took his bed, and went. Took his bed like a surfboard and just walked. Okay? They've seen pretty amazing things. They've seen a man living among the tombs, naked. Okay? No one can tame this man. He runs to Jesus. They've seen a lot of things. They've seen him speak to demons. So when Jesus says these will not come out by anything but prayer, I don't think Jesus is saying you did not pray when you prayed right now. Because they, they, they've seen him. Jesus is not saying you did not pray when you spoke to the boy. What he's probably referring to is a life drenched in prayer. Let me, let me give you an example. If you see someone, if someone sees someone drive out a demon, let's, this sermon is not about demons, but this is an example, so we're going to use it. It's about discipleship. And, and, and you see how a believer drives out a demon. You're like, oh, that's cool. You go and you copy his words. Exact same. Okay? Maybe you raise your voice. Maybe you've got a, a religious voice. Demon in the name of Jesus, go. Okay? Saying the right words and speaking loud does not move the spiritual realm. That moves nothing. I cannot, by raising my voice and copying Reinhard Bonk or someone smart, I cannot, by copying that and being loud and strong and strict, make up for what should have been birthed in my prayer closet over days, weeks, months, and years. I cannot fake that. I cannot make it up. Amen? What Jesus is saying, we could say, if we play around with this idea, is if your life is drenched in prayer, you can whisper, go. And the Spirit will understand. Because what comes behind that words is a life of proximity to God. And that's what Jesus is onto. So, just a few things for you and I. In your life, you will face many moments like these. Maybe you will face, I'm speaking about a moment of distress. Okay? Maybe you'll never see someone become rigid with foam coming out of their mouth. Maybe you will. All right? What is the truth is you will be faced with distressed moments one way or another. That may include death of a family member. A sickness in your own body that you are struggling with before God. Maybe you lose your job. Maybe a close friend. We don't know. This, the vastness, and this is, this is South Africa and this is Joburg. You could get hijacked. You never know. I don't want to put fear in you. All I'm saying is we cannot prepare for every single possible thing that might come our way. Are you with me? But there's one thing that speaks to everything. Your prayer closet. So that whatever one of those things you are faced with tomorrow, you are ready. Go. 
the name of Jesus. We prepare for life, love, disaster, joy, marriage. We prepare for everything by being full of prayer. And you'll be ready. Amen? So just something in my own life, just to connect with you, is for me, typically, we're all different, and one is not right, one is not wrong, but typically, it's good for a believer daily to spend time in the Word and to pray, right? And do it worshipfully. For some of us, it's more natural to open the Bible and get into it, and for some of us, it's more natural to start praying. Who's the Bible readers? Come on. Okay. Who naturally connects with prayer and song first? We're different. A lot of the guys in the band, they just... And um, for me, I open the Bible. My time of God starts with Scripture. That gets me to prayer. But if my time runs out, I had more time in the Word than I want in prayer. So what do I do? I've got a fence. I never miss intercession at church. Never. I'm not propagating for intercession here. I'm not trying to boost numbers. I'm telling you what I have to do to keep my prayer life going. I've never missed it. Unless there was really something. I've never sat somewhere else when I should be praying because often that just gets me going again because I can get into a two, three, or four-day routine of too much word and I'm just not... You know what I'm saying? Coming together with a believer's wow, I need to go again. That's my um, safety system. To make sure that I remain prayerful. What is yours? Okay? Protect your life of prayer. Start today. Prepare for what will happen tomorrow or in 10 years today. A life of prayer. Amen? In the same way, if I can just draw a few more lines. If I... Jesus is speaking about authenticity of faith. That's what he's talking about. Okay? If I take Henny's sermons, which is great, by the way, amen, <laughs> really amazing, some big words my church don't know, so if I use it, I sound very smart, okay? So if I take Henny's sermons and I copy it, it works here, but it won't work there because it's not mine, it's not authentic, okay? If I... If my relationship with God gets cold and I download his messages and I copy it, Secunda, nothing will move in the spirit. Because copying the right words does not move the spiritual realm. It needs to be integrity of life. Amen? And, and Jesus starts with prayer right here. Number one, take on your journey as you grow a life of prayer and start today. Amen? Let's go on. So they're walking and Jesus, um, they come to the next place and Jesus asked them, what were you discussing on the way? Now, you need to remember that the big highlight of the day was this demon-possessed boy that has been struggling. He's been, in an, he's been between the braai and the swimming pool. Okay, that's what it says. He's in the fire, then he's in the water. Then he's in the fire, then he's in the water. Okay? It's good interpretation. 
What has just happened is incredible. This son, this family has just changed. This is, this is too big to understand. And uh, so what does the disciples talk about on the way? But they kept silent for what they, for on the way, they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve, and he said to them, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. Number two, a life of serving. Let's have it up there, and then we can chat. A life of serving. Now, we don't serve God and the church so that one day through our serving we would Work our way up so that we can be served. That's how it works in the world. So we must watch out how we speak to young people. You just start somewhere in that company, you will work your way up. That is right. God rewards. Okay, with stewardship comes promotion. It's biblical. All right, we see it in the parables Jesus tells. But when it comes to servanthood, serving is the place we want to remain. So as we serve, our goal is to become better at serving and never be promoted to a place where we want to be served. Okay, The implication for that is that you must figure out, if you are a leader at work, which you should be, how to be a good steward that God can promote you but remain a servant and never move beyond. All right? Are you with me? The key to biblical servanthood is that we aim to go lower, (laughs) lower, become more invisible, more invisible. Why? Because the king came to die, his king and his servant. He's the greatest, he's clothed in glory like on the mountain, yet he stoops down low and he touches the defeat. That's our God. Can you be a CEO yet serve your people? You must be able to. It's what we see. Amen. So let's go back to the demon possessed boy. They're just coming from that from that situation. And now the conversation on the road is not your. It's just amazing what happened to that boy. The conversation is, who's the greatest? <laughs> Can you believe that? Can you understand why God maybe told that demon to stay put? Because now, Henny had a go. And he's praying. Nothing happens. Now I'm like, Henny, I'll show you. Next disciple. Nothing moves. Next one. Imagine now the one that gets it right to get the demon out on the way home. <laughs> Guys, you are arguing who's the greatest. <laughs> Duh, it's me. I mean, you all had a go, and the demon did not go until I came. And Jesus will not have it. He'll have none of it in ministry. Want to minister powerfully 
we have to understand that God will not reward ministry for self-exaltation in the long run. The heart is supposed to be with that young boy and what God can do for him and his family and to walk away without being remembered. Amen? The greatest treasures lie beneath the layers of self in ministry. Okay? I have a long way to grow in this. Please, I'm not perfected, but God is really speaking um, to me and to us in Sukuna about this. And I hope that for you guys it means something. Our greatest ministry lies beneath the self. But we are no longer visible. Can we go on? You've got two things for your journey so far. And John said to him, this is amazing. Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name. And we tried to stop him. Because he was not following us. But Jesus said, do not stop him, for no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able to soon afterwards speak evil of me. For the one who is not against us is for us. For truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. Now, disciples come to Jesus and say, there's other people busy with spiritual activity. Um, if we can just go to the next slide, I just want to point to something here. It is, it is quite possible that there was a few free agents that was not moving with a party of Jesus yet giving God glory and starting with ministry. For example, um, Mark 5, that's a demon-possessed man okay, that lived beyond the tombs. And he came to Jesus and said, please take me with you. And he did not permit him, but said to him, go to your home and your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. So there was permission for people to start caring and sharing about the work of Christ. We see with a man coming through the roof, that is Mark 2, and he rose immediately, picked up his bed, and went out before them, and they were all amazed. They were glorifying God. So we can we can see that some of these people, even though they did not move with Jesus, which were quite mobile, would go to their towns and repeat these stories and in some way or another start some kind of ministry. And now what happens is that the disciples encounter a group or a person. And if can we just go back to that slide, Emmanuel, um, slide 15, please. Great. And this is what John said. He said, teacher, we saw someone. What did this person do? They cast out the demon. They did not try. (laughs) They really cast out a demon. They were casting out demons. All right? And what do they try and do? Stop them. Okay? Because heaven forbid someone else can cast out a demon if I can't. This is all happening in Mark 9 after the story of a demon-possessed boy. And Jesus says, leave him. Because Jesus will not have spiritual competition in his church. 
If I'm competing in sport or in a race, sport teaches us great things. You, 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 you can grow in sport when you win. You can grow when you lose. I like to grow when I win. Okay? okay so. And it's okay to compete. All right? There's, there's, a, there's a sport box and there's great people out there that gives God glory. Spiritually, when you and I compete with someone, we enter a sport that we do not belong. If I'm competing with Henny spiritually, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to put myself above him, right? I'm trying to what myself? I'm trying to exalt myself. This morning... Only one can be exalted. Only one. It's me or it's Jesus, not both. Only one. So think of the ramifications. If I preach in my town, in a way... I put my heart and I go into study and everything. I make sure I study well so that when people come to church, they will discover that my sermons is better than the other pastors in town. We all lose. In Shafa Sekunda. We've tried something in our church. It did not work. Now it's working in another church and I'm despising them. I am disqualifying myself for God to use myself spiritually will not reward spiritual competition. And that's what he's telling the disciples. Number three, a life free from competition. And Jesus knew if they were to drive out that demon, who would get the glory? And so the demons stay put. They did not move until Jesus comes. The one who was willing to die, who was willing to become nothing, and the spirits move. There is an authority. So we had a chat in our church. We will not tolerate the blaspheme, I don't know if that's the right word, of other churches in our town on any scale in our church whatsoever. If there's a doctrine we need to address, we need to do it. But there's a way to do it. There's a way for me to speak into Annie's life. <laughs> if I see something and we've got that relationship and I'm like, is Annie really can't you know, speak to your wife that way. If I, if I come to him, it's one thing. If he's not here, I'm not willing to speak with him, but I go to each one of you individually, and I repeat the same truth. Can you see the difference? So there's, there's a way to handle important things which glorifies God, even if there should be church out there that's doing something that can hurt people, but there's also a way to take your own anointing away because you want to exalt yourself above him. It will not work. So the Pharisees, they walk the shores of the river with mailboxes on their heads, okay? Phylacteries. Contains scripture, right? 
showing everyone we memorize all this. This is how big my post box is on my head because I've got all these scriptures that I'm memorizing. And they're showing off of us. Am I right, Danny? They've got these long robes that resembles prayers. So these are men that looks something between a mailman and a bride. Okay? <laughs> Walking down in the streets. And this is, this is bragging now. What are they saying? I am better than you. You are there. I am here. Why do he eat with sinners? I don't eat with sinners. Constantly. If my friend's got a box like this, I'm going to get a bigger one because they're constantly exalting themselves. Then come a man, a no-name man, dressed in camel's hair. Okay, now I'm not into fashion, but for me that doesn't make sense. He, he's, got, he's, got no, he's got no riches and no place in society. Where does Jesus go to be baptized? To the servant man. And the other people don't understand it. The scribes and the Pharisees, they just don't understand it. But it's how the kingdom works. God will not reward spiritual competition in this church or in your life, on your journey of wanting to grow and to be a disciple. Are you with me? Last one. Oh, there's just something for you. Desiring to be more is a migration away from the anointing. Okay? What this means is you can speak well and you can do stuff, dress well, but you cannot drive a demon out of a person. Only God can do it through you. So what do you need? The anointing. The Spirit does it. You can have a great speech, but you cannot cause someone to be born again. Only God can. Okay, the anointing is God's Spirit coming to do what we cannot do. As we exalt ourselves, the anointing goes less and less. Okay. Right, last one. For everyone will be salted. Same chapter, this discourse is going on. For everyone will be salted with fire. That doesn't sound comfortable if I look at that. Salt is good. But if a salt has lost its saltiness, how will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. And... um, Someone mentioned it this morning. We must be different. We must. We must not try and be different. We will be different if we are authentic in our times with God. Okay? So the Pharisees, they have feuds with the Sadducees. But disciples, you will not have feuds with another group of believers. Because we are different. These people, they try and show off with how they look in public. They're looking for the best places. That's what society does. That's how it works in the workplace. Not with you. You'll be the servant. Number four, life full of salt. It's required on your journey and mine. How does this work? So, um, who uses salt in their homes? Most of us. Okay. So 
You don't only salt your first dish of the month. Daily. <laughs> Daily. Okay? Every day it is applied. Every day it is applied. Okay? And so spiritually and devotionally, daily we are to press in to prayer and devotion so that when we go out, we will taste different. When they compete, you'll stand back and serve. If there's a place, in your, if it's true in your workplace that people are getting retrenched, is it okay to feel that fear for a moment? Ye- yes, okay? But there's a hope that's also pressing up through it. That's the salt. Because this morning, you realized again who's your provider. It's not Cecil, it's God. Okay? And so there's tension at work with relationships, and people are getting very emotional, and so do you, because you are human. But there's a hope pressing up as well. As God reminds you, you have a helper. And so there's this salt just with us. And if we don't salt ourselves constantly, we will just lose effectivity. All right? So he's inviting us. He's inviting us to have more of him and less of ourselves. A life of prayer. Please don't, uh, um, you know, make a roster for yourself and then beat yourself up if you miss one slot. That's not what I'm saying this morning. Please catch my heart. All I'm saying is move towards having a relationship with God so that those moments that happens on your road, they're taken care of without you having to plan for everything. No one knows what happens tomorrow. You're going to get in your car, go to work, hopefully come back, but you're not sure. Prayer prepares for everything. It speaks to everything because the God of eternity has already been there. A life of serving where we serve to remain there. You know how many stress we carry because of competition? It's most of our emotional injuries on our hands and our hearts is trying to get higher than other people. If just you will breathe again. He humbled himself, he emptied himself to the point of death, and the Father lifted him up. Amen? Father lifts him up. And a life full of salt. God gives us the salt in the mornings when, or the evenings when we open our Bible. If you open the Word of God, you open your heart, there will be salt. He will be working with you, lovingly, caring you, drawing you near. Sometimes your friend comes, and, and then there's a wound, and then I'm bringing your friend to soda. And he rubs it, and he's like, no, don't tell me those things about myself. I don't want to hear it now. And this is the friends that actually loves you. So our friends, they carry salt as well. Don't close your heart. Be at peace with one another, right? What does the scripture say? It says, holy, make it salting again. Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. Allow people around you to carry some salt into your life you'll grow faster. Take these four things with you. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to hand over to you. That's okay. Father, I want to thank you for this congregation. How beautiful. 
the broken heart that seeks for Christ. How beautiful, Lord, in your eyes when a person comes to say, not me, but you. How beautiful, Lord, when we wrestle with our sin. And sometimes it feels like we lose, but we're not letting go. (laughs) Because you are working in us. How beautiful, Lord, when we don't give up. (laughs) When we pray for that demon and it doesn't go. And we go back to you and we ask. Even if the disciples were wrong. Jesus, why did it not go out? Let us press back to you, Lord. Let us remain. I just pray for this congregation. I just bless them, Lord. I just bless Shofar Johannesburg, Lord. With so much fruit in the Spirit, Lord. I pray that these people will grow to know you and one another deeply and truly. And at the same time, while growing fiercely, know how to open their hearts for those that still need to accept you, Lord. And take them with them on a journey, Lord. Not us, Lord, but you. Less of us and more of you. We bless you, Lord. Amen. Can I ask the um, ushers just to hand out the elements of the communion? It's uh, Thanks, Varys. That was very special. Um, I love the way you presented that. And it's, it's so telling to me that um, Jesus, the one who you would think would not need to pray because he's like God, the one that you pray to. <laughs> he comes down and becomes human and, and prays and sets us that example. Jesus, the one who rightly um, should be served by everyone, by everyone because he's God. He comes and he serves us. Jesus, the one if there were to be any competition, <laughs> we would win every time. <laughs> he comes, and not only does he lay down competition, but he tells us to do the same. And Jesus, the one who had salt in him before, it says you will be salted with fire. He didn't need any fire to have salt in him. He was already different. He's not only a different God, but he's a different God who is different. Who already has all that salt in him. He comes down and experiences the ultimate fire on the cross. So that we can have that salt. And what we do when we have communion is we're saying, Lord Jesus, the one who has the ultimate prayer life. The one who is the ultimate servant. The one who was the ultimate one who laid down competition. And the one who has the ultimate saltiness. Jesus, I recognize that I can only really have all of those things through you. If I I have, the only way I can have those things that you mention and that you command me to have is if I have you. If I have you. And, 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 And here we must have Jesus not only as our example, because he is the perfect example. He certainly is that. And we should follow his example. But we cannot... Follow Jesus' example on the outside unless we have Jesus himself on the inside. And that's what communion is about. That's why Jesus, a few chapters later, institutes the communion. And he says, 
when you take this communion, when you take this meal, I want you to eat this broken bread and drink this cup which represents me. In other words, I want you to participate in me. I want you to take me inside of you so that what I am, you can become. That's what communion is. You must taste Jesus. You must take Jesus in so that what Jesus is, that prayerfulness, that servanthood. I mean, no one has ever humbled themselves as much as Jesus in order to serve. I mean, he came from heaven, the throne of heaven, down to earth and humbled himself completely. Not only to serve us and to die on the cross, but to die the worst, the most humiliating, cursed death on a cross. The Old Testament says, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree in the book of Deuteronomy. He humbled himself more than, I mean, the higher you are, the more you have to humble yourself to serve. Jesus was higher than any of, anyone has ever been before or ever will be. And he humbled himself lower than anyone ever has or ever, ever will in order to serve us with salvation. And if we really want to get these things inside of us, we need to get Jesus inside of us. And, and you know why we have communion regularly? It was like Varys was explaining about the salt. Yes, we receive Jesus when we get born again. But we need to constantly take Jesus inside of ourselves um, and make sure that we remind ourselves who Jesus is and we allow who Jesus is to become part of us. So I just want you to close your eyes right there where you are and say, say to Jesus, Lord, as I receive this broken bread and, um, and this cup, Lord Jesus, I receive you. And I want you to live in me and through me. Jesus we thank you Lord that we can look to you that we don't have to save ourselves that we can look to you to save us if there's anyone here this morning um, and, and you maybe haven't been born again maybe you've had communion before in church but you, maybe you've just done it sort of as a religious exercise sort of a religious ritual um I want you to, before you eat the bread and drink the cup, I want you to just, because this meal is a covenant meal. It's a covenant renewal meal. Every year the Israelites would have Passover, which was the covenant renewal meal. And Jesus, when he instituted the Lord's Supper, he did it at the Passover. And he did it as a covenant renewal. But you, you can only have you can only renew a covenant that is actually there so if, if that covenant is not yet there for you Jesus says whoever comes to me I will by no means turn away so just come to Jesus and say Lord Jesus I, I want to do this communion not only as a religious ritual but as a covenant renewal I want to make a covenant with you I want you to make a covenant with me please adopt me into your family please 
make me part of your family. Please make that covenant with me. I want to step into that covenant with you. And you do it by repenting of your sins and just putting your trust in Jesus. Just say, Lord Jesus, I come to you and I put my trust in you. So if, if that's you and, and you've never done that, I'm not even going to call you forward or so. You don't need me to make a covenant with Jesus. You just need Jesus. You, you can just pray and say, Lord Jesus, I enter into covenant with you now. And if, if, if that's you, I just want you to close your eyes and actually do that. Just, just pray and, and, and enter into that covenant with, with the Lord Jesus. Jesus, we thank you, Lord, that your body was broken for us. Lord, we pray, Lord, that all of our pride, all of our arrogance, all of our selfishness, Lord, will be broken. Please, in your love, come and break us, Lord. Lord, with the blessed brokenness that you experienced. And help us to become self-forgetful as you were on the cross. We just humble ourselves as we eat this bread and receive you. Let's eat together. And Lord Jesus, when we look at, um, Lord, just the the things that you, you call us to do as your disciples and follow you in as your disciples, Lord, to live a life of prayer, a life of service. Lord, a life free of competition and a, and, a, and a life full of salt. Lord, we recognize that we haven't always done those things, not by a long shot. We recognize that we stand guilty before you, Lord. We, we have let you down, Lord Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, that we can humble ourselves and admit that, knowing, Lord, that, that you love us so much and that you pour out your grace, when you poured out your grace when you poured out your blood so that we can admit those things, admit our faults and our mistakes without fearing rejection because you have already made provision for our forgiveness. Please forgive us for where we've let you down, Lord. We receive this cup, Lord God, as a token of and a symbol of your blood which was shed for us so that not only, Lord, where we have failed you in the past but also where we will fail you in the future, Lord, where your blood covers that, Lord. Thank you for this blood. Thank you for this hope. So, thank you that you bought our forgiveness at such a great expense. We receive it now in Jesus' name. Let's drink together. And I just want you to pray and just in your own words, just say, Lord Jesus, as I receive your broken body and your shed blood, I want to become more like you. Help me to become more like you in every way. Just in your own words, just pray that. It's only the gospel that can make us both humble enough and confident enough to live like Jesus lived. 
The gospel tells us that we were so guilty that Jesus had to die for us. That is how guilty we were. The price that was paid for us on the cross is evidence to us about how guilty and how sinful we were. That is how high the price was that had to be paid. That humbles us. That humbles you to not be confident in yourself so that you want to pray to God. To not be um, exalt, to not want to exalt yourself but to want to serve. To not want to be in competition with others but to, 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 um, to work with others. To, 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 to um, acknowledge that I don't have enough salt in me. But if, if, if I were only humbled in that way, I would not be... I would not have the boldness to minister that powerfully like Jesus did. So the gospel doesn't only tell us that we were so guilty that Jesus had to die for us. It also tells us that, he were, that we were so loved that he was glad to die for us. Despite all the mistakes, God loves us so much that he was willing to die for us on the cross. And that gives us confidence. And it's not a confidence in ourselves so that when I'm up, my confidence is up. And when I'm down, my confidence is down. It's a confidence in Jesus. It's a confidence in God and His love for me. And it's only the gospel, which we have now celebrated with this communion, with this bread and this cup. It's only that which both humbles us enough and gives us enough confidence to minister this powerfully. Lord Jesus, May we really understand that, Lord, even as, as Vanner was explaining to us, Lord, your example, how you came and died for us as the ultimate servant, the king, the servant king. May we really understand that. May that gospel, Lord, just saturate our hearts so much that we can go forth in that humble confidence and be like you, to minister like you. Lord, I want to pray, Lord, for that humble confidence, Lord, in our families, in our marriages, Lord. Lord, so often we exalt ourselves, Lord, and we get upset, Lord, when our spouse or people in our family don't want to serve us or people in our community don't want to serve us, and we start fighting, Lord God. And we know, Lord God, that, Lord, the, the servant heart and the, the salt is all missing, Lord, and we just pray, Lord, that you'll turn those situations around, Lord, that, that you'll help us to be as your representatives, Lord, in our families, in our communities, to turn those situations around, to go forth in that humble confidence and to be like you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Johannesburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.jarberg.